yeah, I don't want anyone listening to be discouraged by, oh, it sounds so easy and they're doing such a good job. Like it's messier than, you know, one can describe on a quick podcast and um, it's really hard. So cut yourself some slack. Every person is so different in the way that they want to be managed. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Today is our sixth episode in the first hire series where we've so far covered making first hires in marketing, finance, operations, and retail and food service sales. Today, I thought it would be helpful to talk more cross-functionally with one of our community member brands about their experience of making first hires, being a first hire, and what they've learned in the process. And I immediately thought of Sweet Nothings, who makes ready-to-eat superfood snacks that I think are absolutely incredible, as you'll hear. We'll talk with both Jake Neller, the CEO and co-founder of Sweet Nothings, and Lucy King, their VP of Marketing. I met Jake and Lucy in 2021 via Slack and have continued to see them post jobs, questions, and responses all in the Startup CPG Slack channel. So it's great to catch up and hear what they've learned about hiring in the past few years. Listen in as Jake and Lucy share about Sweet Nothing's hiring trajectory so far, including their very first hire and how the team has grown to now over 10 people. Lucy's experience of being the first marketing hire and now making additional marketing hires for her own team. How Jake thinks about leadership and hiring and his helpful goal setting tips. Both Lucy and Jake's ideas on setting up a new hire for success from an onboarding and interviewing standpoint. How you can't always hire the perfect person and the importance of setting realistic expectations when hiring. Ways Sweet Nothing is intentional about building a great all remote culture and more. Hi, Jake. Hi, Lucy. How are you both today? I'm so glad to have you here. Hey, Jesse. Hi. Great to be here. Thanks again for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Amazing. Yeah, I am a huge Sweet Nothings fan. I've been following you in the Startup CPG Slack for a long time. I was um, telling Lucy before we started recording that I've been uh, having a Spoonable Smoothie for lunch. And that's probably my lunch like three times a week. Like I'm a legit hardcore Sweet Nothings fan. Like it's part of the grocery run every week at Fred Meyer. So it's so fun to get to like have an interview with you after we've met at trade shows and talked and everything. It's just fun to actually get to record an episode together. Thank you so much. And it made my day when you uh, sent over the beautiful shelf picture the other day, too. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you for the support on many, many fronts. Yeah, of course. I love doing a quick, quick little merch, uh, merch check and leaving the the shelf better than I found it. So it's so fun. Well, can you, you know, I would love if you could start us off by each telling us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit, you know, just describe for us sweet nothings. What are the, what are the products, um, you know, and what, you know, what are the different uh, product lines you have available right now? Great. Yeah. I'll kick off Lucy and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Um, so I'm Jake. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sweet Nothings. I started the business with my co-founder, Beth, um, back in 2019. We made our first sale just a few months prior to the pandemic and uh, and ha- have adapted along with you know everyone else in the, in the community and in the industry. Sweet Nothings makes three different product lines, all of which are focused on creating really healthy, delicious, innovative snacks. So we have two product lines in the frozen aisle, our spoonable smoothie cups, which it sounds like, Jesse, you might be the the top customer for. (laughs) Um, We blend fruits, nuts, and seeds into um, single serve, ready to eat, basically mini smoothie bowls. Um, We also have our squeezable smoothies, which is a kid's focus line where we blend organic fruits and veggies into frozen, almost gogurt like tubes. 
um, both those products merchandise in frozen fruit. And then we have our nut butter bites, which is our shelf stable item. It's a peanut butter filled date bite. Um, and across the portfolio, everything's organic, plant-based, no added sugar. Um, so yeah, started about four years ago. Um, have been fortunate and, and grateful to experience some um, really fun growth over that time and bring wonderful people on the team, including Lucy. And I'll let you take it from there, Lucy. Cool. Thanks. Um, Lucy King, I'm the VP of marketing at Sweet Nothings. And I joined the team just about two years ago now, which is crazy when you're on a rocket ship of growth, how fast time goes. Um, So I always like to reflect back on these two years and think that when I joined the team, there were six flavors of smoothie cups, and now we have three different product lines. So it is an absolute blast. We have an amazing, amazing team. um, And we're just getting started in terms of growth and growing our team and whatnot. So excited to chat with you a little bit more today. Amazing. Yeah. And I got to try the uh, your the kids line at Expo East, which was incredible. And I mean it when I say it, when I'm at a trade show and I'm like, you know, you, you can choose from thousands of products. Like you're like, what do I actually want to eat? And you're like, I, I'm going to stop by the Sweet Nothings booth and see if they'll give me a sample because like that's what I actually am craving in a sea of all these foods. Like that's like my go to. So I'm excited you're going to be at Expo West because I'm like, oh, good. I can get I can get my smoothie fix still um, and try all the delightful new things. But also I'm just you know, definitely a big fan. And it was so fun to get to try to get the kids line. Yeah, it was great to finally meet in person, too. I know we've, you know, chatted on Slack and on the phone and via email a million times. And you've been so helpful as we have been building. But to finally put a face to the name or a a 3D face to the name was really nice. (laughs) Yes, so true. And how would you describe like the stage you're at right now? You mentioned some growth, which is amazing. But like, how you know, how many stores are you in? What are kind of some of the major retailers um, and how many employees total are you at now? Yeah, so um, our different lines are have launched in different stores, but across the portfolio, um, we sell in Whole Foods and Sprouts um, and a lot of uh, regional natural groups, including um, natural grocers and um, the Fresh Market and Erwan and Gelson's and all those great SoCal regional um, retailers. Um, on the e-com side, we have great partnerships and growing partnerships with Fresh Direct and Thrive Market, Amazon Fresh, Good Eggs, GoPuff, along with some others. And then... Um, Outside of that, have been fortunate to start to build some relationships in 2022, which are strengthening and growing um, this coming year with um, Costco, with Target, um, with Kroger, um, to name a few. So have been able to build across those different channels um, and have tried to be really thoughtful with who we partner with, when we partner with them, and what products we partner with them on to give ourselves the best chance of having success with the partnership. Um, The team today is 13 of us. um, And that is grown a lot in the last 12 months as we've continued to grow the business and make sure that we are properly supporting um, new launches, innovation, um, marketing, brand ops, etc. And I know we'll spend a lot of time chatting through that today. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's why I wanted to bring you both you know, on the show to talk through because you've had so much growth. And I just think it's it's so interesting to get to see the trajectory and hear from hear each of your perspectives of growth. So like, can you describe for us a little bit like, you know, for you, Jake, like being a co-founder, like, can you talk through maybe some of the first 
couple hires and then, you know, and then bring us to, you know, in the last, you know, two years ago to bringing, you know, bringing Lucy on board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of it too, and and I'll share my personal story with the caveat of, I think it's so, so much of the right strategy here is dependent on the skill set, experience and personality of the founders. Um, because ultimately, as a founder in the early days, you're doing everything. Beth and I were making all the product and, you know, stickering all the cups and selling and shipping and marketing and, um, you know, going to the warehouses and, and everything, just like, you know, a lot of brands in their early stages, a little bit of everything. And so as we were growing to the size of saying, okay, it's time that we got some help because we are now the bottlenecks, we are now the sort of hindrance to growth, what sort of roles should we bring in? It very much came down to a reflection and exercise of what are we great at? What brings us energy? And what do we want to keep doing versus what are things that there are going to be people who are better experienced and and more qualified for this role than we are. So I think that's just an important um, aspect of this all to think about is that there's no, in my mind, playbook that um, works universally. It very much is founder dependent, product dependent, channel dependent, and all that. On the sweet nothing side of things, early on, the area that we thought that we needed the most help was um, really just getting a better understanding of how to best launch retail and support retail. Neither Beth nor I came from a CPG background. We knew we had a great product. Um, we knew we had figured out how to make it in a in a um, way that was going to work long term, operationally, financially, etc. But how we actually both got it into stores and then supported it in stores was something that um, we, you know, knew less about. So one of our our very first hires um, was a guy named Gavin Myers, who um, is still with the team. And um, in the early days, he really um, did a little bit of everything. He had come from Halo Top, so he understood Frozen, which was important to us because Frozen was a new world for us. He had spent a lot of time on both shopper marketing and innovation while at Halo Top, so he really understood, you know. Um, enough to be dangerous, even if he wasn't a long-term domain expert on category reviews and um, different approaches to supporting products on shelf and all that stuff. And and it was just, he was and continues to be a wealth of knowledge. And also we knew from spending a lot of time with him prior to hiring him that he was, he had the attitude that we look for in everyone of no job too small. He, there was no ego. He was willing to roll up his sleeves and do a little bit um, of everything from from the very beginning. So Gavin um, started in um, started with us. He was with us for a while. He left for a year to go get his master's, um, and then after his master's, he came back about a year ago in January of 2022. So it's been a really fun continued progression with him too. Nice. That's awesome. It's nice when it's always really cool to hear when when you have people come back or stay that are an early hire, because it's just a testament to what you're doing and, you know, that it's a, that it's a team that people want to be on. So that's really cool. Thanks. And so when did, so when, so for Lucy, like, when did you join the team? Were you the first marketing hire? Like, tell us a little bit about, about that. Um, So I joined the team about two years ago and a lot of that was at the time that we were really starting to expand our retail footprint. And so um, 
obviously with the expansion of retail becomes a lot more shopper. We were wanting to really expand our brand awareness. You know, there there were a lot of different tactics that we really needed to invest in. And I have been very fortunate with my progression in the CPG world, starting at General Mills and then Tyson and then RX Bar. And so I've gotten the opportunity to work on really large legacy brands with absolutely enormous budgets. And then, you know, RX Bar, that was incredibly high growth, a a big innovator in the category and learned so much there Um, and really wanted to see, you know, what was it like to join a company where you know, it was just really starting out and get to really help shape like what is the marketing strategy? How what is our go to market strategy in retail and what do we support with our marketing budget and and take a lot of the learnings that I had. Um, so, yeah, it was a really fantastic time um, to enter the company because we were solely focused on our smoothie cups at that point. But I also got to be a part of all of the conversations as we continued to expand into new categories and into new product lines. Um, so um, entered at a time where we were really kind of taking a look at what agency partners did we need Um where did we want to invest, whether it came from PR to social to shopper, um, and really just kind of help shape that strategy um, with Jake and the team. Right. Yeah. And you you are you perfectly answered my next question, which was going to be I took a look at your like your your work history and you've got some some serious CPG background. So I was I was wondering what you know, what drew you to the team. So that's, that's really cool. And so interesting. So like how many people were there when you started Lucy? Like how many people are on the team? Jake, I guess that'd be a question for you. Did we have seven, eight, maybe at that point? I think that's right. Megan had started to lead our sales efforts a a few months prior and we had Gavin and and Davide was here. I think, yeah, I think, you know, six or seven is probably the right number. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So lots of growth since then. And I guess, Jake, for you, like as you've hired first people, have you um, or, you know, early, early people on the team? What is your strategy been as far as like, do you, you know, are you like we need people with CPG experience or, you know, I'm looking for someone like you mentioned that like can do no job is too small attitude. Like what were what have you thought through? Is there anything you wish you thought through differently with, you know, with making with making early hires on the team? Yeah, I think the um, the CPG experience piece is really important. But exactly what that looks like and where that happened is less important than maybe the weight I would give early on where, you know, we are fortunate even with our team today to have folks come from really impressive brands that we admire. But I found that that, you know, the brands someone worked out are not indicative of their work quality, um, which is sort of funny because starting sweet nothings and hearing from other brands of oh we have this person who came from x and this person who came from y and like that in itself to me felt like a winning strategy i think what i've learned is it's awesome to hire people with great cpg experience who can pull from those experiences and bring that perspective but what's more important is understanding and really in the interview process getting a really good sense for what this individual contributed it's really it's easy at larger CPG companies to um, be handed a portfolio, let's say, of um, of products and of sales channels, and be asked to maintain it. That that role is very different than 
build these sales channels, launch these channels for the first time, market these channels for the first time, whatever whatever it may be. Maintenance versus growth are are two very different factors. And at a large CPG company, maybe growing 10 or 20% is a great year when for us, you know, and, and um, this is a whole nother conversation, but for the most part, we want to at least double every year, if not more. And so it's a different mindset and my mind can be a different skill set on exactly what you're looking for. Right. I think another piece that I found very helpful. A mentor early on who had a lot of experience in this space made a comment to me that even if you're an amazing interviewer and you do the best reference checks and you think you have a great read of people, the best you could ever ask for is being right, you know, 70% of the time on on new hires. Like world-class <laughs> recruiters, HR leaders, et cetera, can maybe be right 70% of the time. So it's okay to acknowledge when that fit isn't right. And it's not necessarily, you know, indicative of your company being bad or that individual being bad. It's just indicative of there not being a complimentary fit. And I think that felt really good to hear where there wasn't this pressure to say, hey, every single hire needs to work out perfectly and you need to nail every single hire from the get go. Of course, nobody likes there to be a lot of turnover. It's not great for culture. You don't want someone to quit their job and then have their new rule not work out. So you need to treat it all with a lot of patience and respect and um, make sure that there's a good transition plan if it doesn't work out. But his point was really, it's delusional to think every hire you're, you make is going to be the right hire. And I felt that was really empowering to be really honest with myself about where the team was at what changes maybe we needed to make to bring ourselves to the next level and where I made mistakes as a leader that I didn't want to make in the future with additional hires. And so I mentioned that just because I do feel like there's this sort of stigma or um, pressure to get every hire right, but that is impossible. And um, being really honest and evaluating what's working and what's not working is, I think, a really important aspect that separates companies from um, being good to being great. Yeah. Oh, that's that's such a great note. And I'm really gr- glad you brought it up because I've been I've been in that, you know, making hiring decisions and you're like, you know, it can go in a couple different ways, but you just want to take your pre- the pressure off yourself of, you know, eight. maybe you just you just talk to someone you're like, this person is perfect, but I've got five other people that also really look great. And I'm like, you know, but things move so fast. And I've made the mistake of being like, of waiting too long and being like, well, I, I got to do all my due diligence, whatever. And then, you know, later I learned like, oh, just if if you find someone that's awesome, just go for it. Like, just move forward, keep things moving. And then same thing, if someone isn't working, like, it's okay to recognize that. And like you said, just kind of takes a, some of the pressure off. That's a super interesting, um, yeah, just like stat and kind of way to look at it. I really appreciate you you bringing that up. And I'm curious for for Lucy, like coming on board, like, you know, can you share a little bit about your like onboarding experience and anything that you thought was really helpful that the team did or anything that you did, like knowing you were coming into a startup environment that kind of helped set you up for success? Yeah, I think I actually just Jake stumbled upon my list of questions that I asked you in one of our interviews the other day. And I was laughing a little bit because I was like, these are actually pretty relevant still today in terms of, you know, how we would approach marketing and what Jake's perspective was on that. And so I think if you're someone that's looking to potentially join a startup, asking so many questions is incredibly important. Um, But also just 
better understanding the culture because I think we are we have a very unique team in the sense that we are all incredibly different, but we drive so well together. And I, our head of sales and I always laugh that we've never had a counterpart between marketing and sales. There can be some tension at times, um, typically, but there's just not at this at Sweet Nothings. And we have such a great working relationship. And I think so much of that was because throughout the interviewing process, uh, I was really exposed to so many of the members of the team. I think I actually talked to almost every single member of the team, except maybe just one or two as we were going through the process, which really helped me understand the different perspectives that everyone had, the different, different, but the same responses that people had about how great the culture was, um, how what work life balance looks like, like how how we think about things, how Jake thought about the trajectory of the company, all of those were questions that I asked and questions that came back with really great answers and and set me up for a great success to just get off to the get off to the races really quickly. And I think um, having had some background knowledge about you know, how marketing works in the retail space and knowing Kroger, you know, some of these some of these things that are incredibly important um, as you're starting in a new company um, in CPG was was really helpful because we we go really fast. We make decisions really quickly and move forward. And um, that really was my onboarding was was learning with the people that I was working with um, day to day and just really getting into the business really quickly. Right. Yeah, that's that's very helpful to to hear how you how you kind of started to to dig in. And I believe now that you've hired more members of the marketing team. Can each of you talk a little bit about that of like, you know, versus like of kind of growing a department and what that looked like, you know, maybe Jake for you from a like, you know, strategy, what were you thinking about? And then for you, Lucy, like being, you know, coming on and initially digging in, but now you're working on hiring someone that's going to work with you. Like, what did that look like? Yeah. And and maybe first I'll just add on to what Lucy was saying is I think as you're evaluating potential hires, really trying to get at the crux of what startup life looks like is really important. Like I try to be um, overly transparent and blunt about life in a startup because it, you know, the stuff that the out, the, the external world sees that looks sexy is, you know, five or 10% of the job. Like a lot yeah. of it is doing stuff that Lucy had a team under her that would do it in past roles or Megan on the sales time would have a, a team of people she managed who would do, you know, X, Y, Z that we asked her to do as sweet nothing. So really helping people um, prepare for what life in a startup looks like, I think is really important. And when you filter in that way, then onboarding becomes a lot easier because it's someone like Lucy who we'd have two hour long one-on-ones a week in the early days to get her up to speed. And she would ask a million questions. And that's exactly what you need to do at that stage to really onboard and understand how processes work and how we think about this. And she would challenge me on things in a, in a you know way that I loved to really hone in on, okay, what is our strategy? Why is that our strategy? How do we measure success? And so much of that is a product of bringing the right person into the room. If it feels like you're pulling teeth to onboard someone and teach them your ways and teach them how you think about um, decision-making and processes, that's, it needs to be a lot more of a, of a, you know, a, a push than a pull. Yeah. On the marketing front, Lucy, I don't know if you want to go first and then I'm, I'm happy sure. to come in. 
Yeah. So I guess, Jesse, as we as I got up to speed and got into the role, we did a lot of searching for the right agency partners to support our strategy. And a lot of that was just because we needed a lot of things. And it's really hard to find, you know, one person that can do have a whole slew of skills like they can manage influencer and they can do email and they are a copywriter and they can create content like that unicorn doesn't really exist. And so there are wonderful, wonderful agency partners out there that we have been really lucky to partner with um, that have helped us build out our social strategy, build out our email strategy, um, help us with PR, all of these different um, aspects of the business. And as we've continued to grow um, and grow up a little bit, I think we've continued to think about, okay, what pieces of our strategy are the most important to us? Where do we really want to lean in in this coming year? Um, what are our big focuses? And how how could someone coming internally into our team really help us to hone in on that and, and really be a subject matter expert? And so um, just in the last two months, we just uh, hired a marketing manager onto our team that her real focus is going to be on experiential. Um, you know, how do we show up at events? How do we show up at demos in store? Um, and the influencer side, you know, she comes with a, a huge background and knowledge of um, how to work with influencers. What's the most important thing? Like, how do you how do you get the the most bang for your buck in supporting um, supporting all of your social strategies with influencer work and, and social. So, you know, that that was a priority for us to figure that out as we continue to really hone in on uh, how do we continue to grow our brand awareness and drive people into retail. So that was kind of a, a really important part to the role. And then right now we're in the process of hiring a graphic designer. And a lot of that has just been because uh, finding agencies that can support all of the different content needs that we have, everything from a sell sheet to a sales presentation to an infographic on social to any number of things um, is going to be an, a huge value to us to have that person on the team that's living and breathing the brand every day that understands the brand guidelines that will help us to evolve the brand as we continue to grow and um, to make these step changes. And so for us, you know, we've had great agency partners, but continuing to grow the team internally is a, a huge priority for us. Um, and so that's kind of how we're looking at it right now. And I, and I think from my perspective, we have really ambitious goals for the role marketing plays in our growth in 2023. There continue to be, as we grow retailers, more and more opportunities for us to creatively and efficiently market really close to point of sale, really close to where our consumers are making decisions. So as Lucy and I put together goals for 2023, and we looked at a budget for 2023 based off of a percent of sales, then Ultimately, I defer to Lucy on, okay, what are the best ways to use this budget? Is it bringing someone in-house who can execute on you know, a subset of these goals? Is it continuing to um, outsource our needs? Is it to allocate a bit more money to the actual marketing or to rotate a little of that to get someone great to help us with the marketing? So those are you know, critical decisions, but I feel like my role is set the, with Lucy's buy-in, set the goals, set the budget, set the vision for the year. And then you need to, when you hire great people, give them the autonomy and ownership to figure out what they think is the best path forward to accomplish those goals. I'm not 
in marketing day to day. I couldn't do Lucy's job. I don't have the experience that Lucy has. So just because I'm the CEO, in my mind, doesn't mean that I should be deciding whether she hires someone in-house versus outsources, how exactly she uses the, the money. We set clear goals that we track closely together and priorities that we track closely together. And um, having that trusting relationship for her to execute the ways that she thinks is best to achieve those goals is the only way to scale a company, um, in my opinion. Because if a CEO has to be super prescriptive and involved in every decision across the board, there's just not enough hours in the day to do anything but that. And so my job, I think, is to connect the dots across the different verticals within the organization and lend my trust and support to individuals like Lucy to make the decisions that are best for what we need to accomplish within her realm. Yeah, that's that's very helpful to hear both of your perspectives. And I appreciate the, the like the intentionality um, behind like what you, when you're deciding to bring on a person like that. Uh, that, you know, there aren't necessarily unicorn people that can do all the different things when you need like fractional help. And so I definitely want to dig into a little bit more about um, agencies. But I'm also curious um, on, you know, like on the person that you re- recently hired, like, you know, for maybe for you, like Lucy, like it, as someone you were onboarded, you were interviewed to be on the team when you're interviewing, was was there things that you were like, oh, I loved this? You know, we mentioned that your onboarding experience was pretty, pretty positive. Were there things you're like, oh, when I interview people, I want to make sure to include, you know, or express these parts of the sweet nothings culture? Like, what did it look like for you to then be, you know, doing the hiring? I'm curious about your process. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was, a, I will echo a lot of what Jake said. I think I, I really wanted to emphasize the fact that we are still in this startup mentality and no job is too small. I think every single day, we're all doing things that maybe are not necessarily our favorite things to do, but we know that we're doing them for the sake of the business and to grow them. And finding someone that has this can-do mentality where there's there's nothing that they're too big to accomplish was really important. And so that was really a huge part of the interview process for me was finding that person, finding the right skill set of what we were looking for. And then also just making sure that, you know, she or he really melded with the team. And and that was incredibly important, just knowing that we're a completely remote team. And so you have to have, like many businesses right now, you have to have a certain skill set where you can connect with people virtually. And that's an easy thing for you to do. But we try to meet together quarterly in person um, and have those moments. And so I wanted lots of the members of the team to be able to connect with this person and make sure that they were a person that could um, continue to grow the culture that Sweet Nothings has developed in the same way and contribute. And I think that we obviously found someone that was an an incredibly great fit for that. Um, And then when she did get on the team, we were very lucky that she joined the same week as having one of our offsites. And so that was a really unique experience because she was able to meet everyone in person. Whereas, you know, sometimes it, you can go a couple a couple of months before meeting any new member of the team. Um, so just really making sure that she got those one-to-one interactions. She understood who was on the team. She understood what everyone does. And then just helping her really understand what the marketing strategy and priorities were that Jake was just mentioning. So really helping outline, hey, here are our goals for 2023. They're lofty, but they're achievable if we work incredibly hard. And here are the ways that I can foresee your job helping us meet those goals. And so 
I think by providing that sort of vision and helping her see like how her day-to-day tasks are really going to help ladder up to those goals and really just help grow the company just from the seat that she's in right now uh, was kind of how I went about the onboarding process. And then layering in, you know, like, here, here are the reasons that you were hired. And I would love for you to like help me figure out what that looks like to execute this strategy. And so she has really hit the ground running. Um, and I think so much of that is just Jake's really impressive goal setting um, mentality has been really cool to see how it kind of trickles down to each of the different functions. And so making sure that marketing is all on the same page for what we're trying to achieve has been has been really important and crucial on the onboarding side. Yeah, that's great. And on that note, like, you know, you shared some, Jake, can you expand a little bit on on your goal setting process? Because it sounds like it's a very intentional process. And I'm curious if there's anything you can share. Yeah. And I I think it's something that's has evolved and will continue to evolve over time. Like for 2022, I when we went through goal setting with each individual, we put together a lot of goals for the year. And then we, you know, carve out time each month to review how those goals were going. And I realized that that isn't the point in my mind of of goal setting that, you know, day to day tasks and accomplishments that are part of the job description and responsibility shouldn't be goals. In my mind, those are expectations to do the job well. Goals should be no more than three goals that are, you know, follow the classic SMART framework. So um, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and and time-bound. And I'm sure I got at least one, if not two of those wrong. But the general sentiment is really how can we create goals across the organization? So not just for a sales team where it's easier to quantify success, but across the organization where we can objectively measure how we're doing on certain goals. So for supply chain, we have very specific goals around um, how much we need to save on raw materials in 2023. And for that example, and for all these examples, I put together very simple tables that have graphs and trackers. And each individual on the team on a monthly basis fills out that tracker for the previous month. And then we review how we're tracking versus expectations. So whether it's, you know, looking at um, where what ingredients we've negotiated and the money we're saving on those or um, you know, how we are decreasing our freight rates through um, giving our freight providers more time and, and experimenting with new freight or, you know, the ROAS on some of these um, new digital marketing campaigns, whether it be Instacart or GoPuff or Fresh Direct or Whole Foods, just finding ways to quantify each of these setting ambitious but achievable goals for each and limiting it to no more than three per individual. So there aren't, you know, 20 competing tasks. As I always say, okay, we've established these are the goals for 2023. So when there's confusion on what projects to prioritize, refer back to this shared document and prioritize the projects that impact these goals being achieved this year. Wow, I love that. That's so helpful. Because yeah, I've, when you're... (laughs) When you're in a startup environment and it's like you come in for the day and it's like, cool, there are 200 things I need to do and they all were should have been done yesterday. And so what do I focus on? And so to have, you know, some something really intentional and concrete and and also that reduces like, you know, the management time of if somebody's constantly checking in with what should I do this? Should I do this task versus this task? Like sometimes maybe that oversight's needed. But if you're really clear on your goals up front of these are the priorities 
that we're going to be, you know, tracking toward as a company, that's extremely helpful. So I love that. Thanks. And it's, and it's a work in progress and it, um, you know, it, it continues to take time to hone. And, and I'll say that it is not a one size fits all like the, you know, exact way I execute on those principles with, um, Lucy is very different than what it looks like with Gavin or what it looks like with someone else because people have different working styles. They have different ways that they like to, you know, look at and discuss goals and prioritize their weeks. And I think my job is to create an environment for each individual that empowers them to do their best work. And it's a disservice to assume that I can handle each, that each person needs the same um, approach, whether it's how we do our weekly one-on-ones, how we review goals, how we communicate, Slack versus phone versus email. I don't think it makes sense for everyone to have to adapt to how I work. I think my role is to figure out the right systems so that people can work in the way that they really shine. Yeah, that's very helpful. And another kind of tactical question I'm curious as you've as you've hired both on the agency side or or you know contractor side and for full-time people and this could be across the organization but like how have you primarily you know found people that have been good fits has it been LinkedIn job postings has it been sort of CPG slack has it been referrals has it been a mix like I'm you know I'm curious how you how you found the right members of the team out in the world it's really been a mix. Yeah. Lucy, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say a mix. Um, but also, I really think that the CPG community, specifically the startup CPG community, is so unique in the way that they're so willing to share what's worked, what's not worked, who they've worked with that's great, who's maybe not so great. And I have just learned so much from people that are in my role at other companies um, about like, you know, people to chat with, people to reach out to. And and I always place such a high value on a referral from someone that's doing something similar, their brand's crushing it. You know, it's it's really, it's really great to have such an amazing collaborative community in that sense. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then you've you've both touched on the topic of culture and I'm curious about, you know, how how you both are are thinking about culture. It sounds like you there's a lot of really great things happening at Sweet Nothing. So like how are there learnings that you think could translate to other, you know, people as far as, you know, building out the culture that is ideal for your business? And then also what are you thinking about as you grow? Like you have a new hire that's just been there a couple months. Like what's top of mind for making sure that the culture is evolving in the in in on the right trajectory as you grow and continue to add people to the team. Yeah, and I think we can speak to a remote team specifically, or at least uh, I can. I know Lucy's had previous roles that were not remote, but from a remote team perspective, I think a non-negotiable in my mind is getting everyone in one physical space um, somewhat often. And somewhat often to me means three to four times a year. Um, with trade shows, it's probably a little bit more than that. But in 2023, we will do three full team offsites where we'll all fly somewhere. We'll spend you know three days all together. It'll be a mix of work and fun. So it'll be you know high level strategic presentations, time for tactical work in smaller groups, and plenty of activities and meals and um, drinks and um, sports and you know whatever that particular city is conducive to but i think that is so important because when you're just chatting with people on a screen all day um you know you don't have some of those organic moments 
you know, the quote unquote water cooler talk um, that that happens. And so finding space and opportunity for people to just spend time with each other as, you know, individuals, not as Lucy from marketing, um, I think really helps build a culture of people caring about one another beyond just what do I need from this person to achieve this goal or to do this project. And I think because we've done that now, the team is really eager and excited to share, you know, pictures from, um, from vacations and, um, pictures of what they cooked that week. We have a, you know, in the kitchen chat where our Slack channel where people post, you know, recipes that they're making and how they turned out. And, um, on team calls, it's just, um, the culture changes once people get to know each other and it becomes a lot more of this friendly banter versus this, you know, super serious, let's go through our to-do lists. And so I think that's a really important um, piece of remote culture. I'll let Lucy jump in and then I can I can add others, but um, that's one piece I'm passionate about. Yeah, I, I would echo that sentiment as well. I think getting together in person has just been so invaluable in growing the team, growing the team's like I'm trying to think of the best word, but just growing the team's culture and, and the desire to like want to be together. I think it's so interesting to think about how many different walks of life we have on this team. We are such a unique subset of people. You know, some of us, some people are much later in their careers. Some people are literally just starting out. We're all over the country. So we all have such a, a unique perspective. Um, but I think there is just this common sentiment that we all really enjoy being together and we're all working towards the same goal. And so I think to Jake's point, like I I love seeing what finance is bringing for their uh, offsite decks as much as I am interested in what our marketing plans are. Um, and that's just because I know that we're all kind of marching towards the same goal. Um, and I think Jake and Beth have been so intentional about who they hire and and how they're going to fit with the team that it's just really created such a, a unique, a unique culture. Great. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love the the notes on culture and the intentionality there and um, just seeing other other fellow uh, team members as whole people, like you said, versus just, you know, a, a person with a title. Yeah, I think it's really just like it's like any relationship you have in life where you have to put effort in to make it work and to make it grow and to make it stronger. And I don't think of it as any different than personal relationships or, you know, um, family relationships. Like you just the the dynamic is going to be a direct output of how much you care and how much effort you put into growing that relationship. Has there been any like reflection that either of you have had to do as you because it sounds like, you know, Lucy, you have a team now you've managed teams at other organizations. Jake, you have the big team, like, I'm curious if there's any like intentional reflection or even that you've been like kind of had moments where like, oh, I really need to upscale in this area to be an effective leader or to be a better leader as part of a growing company. Like, I'm curious how you think about, you know, each growing your own leadership skills. Yeah, I think for me, there's just a lot of um, a lot of humilities needed to be a, a CEO and founder who hadn't worked in CPG really prior. Um and acknowledging that and acknowledging that um, I could not do most of the jobs that we've hired for at Sweet Nothings. I think that's a really important thing for me to acknowledge and be honest with myself and the team about and um, not have that be a detriment to the team, but really use it as a strength of, okay, my jobs as CEO are to 
you know, do a lot of the stuff that I've mentioned previously uh, during our discussion of empower people to be their best selves, make it really clear what the priorities are, what the goals are, why those are the goals and the priorities and how that really syncs with the rest of what the organization is working on. Um, I think I can bring really interesting strategic insights to conversations, not because I've done it a million times, but because I'm able to pull from the different teams and what they're working on in a way that's harder for um, individual team members to sometimes do. So I think it's just really important. What I've learned is, okay, lean in on what I'm great at and don't pretend to know more about CPG marketing than Lucy or more about CPG sales than Megan because I don't and I'm not going to. And that's not where I am adding value to achieving our goals and growing this business. I think the one other thing I have done that I highly would rec- I, I highly recommend for leaders is did a fully um, I've done this twice now, but a fully anonymous review of me. So have the entire team fill out a survey that is completely anonymous. Had my co-founder Beth aggregate results from that and bring me takeaways of this is what the team thinks you're amazing at. This is what the team thinks you can work on. This is how they ranked you as a leader. This is how they ranked you with how happy they are in their job. And having that sort of honest discussion with Beth has allowed me to grow a ton as a leader and, you know, better serve what this team needs of me too. Yeah, that's great. How about you, Lucy? Yeah, I think for me, it's just realizing that every every person is so different in the way that they want to be managed. And so I think for me as a leader, it's just really be about being adaptable, whether it means someone needs to be more of just a sounding board and needs me to be quiet while they kind of go through their ideas or they want me to be a cheerleader and they want me to be there just, you know, along for the ride and helping them where I can, but just being really supportive of their big ideas. I think you really just have to mold and change and adapt. And even as the art marketing team continues to grow, I know that there's going to be so many different personalities and so many different needs. And so for me, just thinking through, okay, like this may not be the way that I would like to be managed or the way that's easiest for me, but it's the way that this person needs to be supported in order to grow and contribute in the best way that they can. And so I think for me, it's really all about being a great listener and and being really adaptable. Awesome. Great. Well, are there any other parting thoughts you wanted to share before? I would also love to tease, you know, talk about some what's coming up next in in the world of sweet nothings, you know, that you want to share about any last, you know, parting thoughts on on our topic today? I don't think so. I mean, I think all these conversations inevitably focus on the positives and what we're doing well. And I think the final thought is really just, this is really hard. (laughs) And anyone who's doing who's, you know, starting a company or working on an early stage CPG company, like it is not as um, smooth and perfect as maybe um, described today. Like it's, it's messy. And I think we've, you know, continued to improve and grow and now have really good processes in place and, and um, have a good understanding of what each of us needs to do. But that's an ever evolving um, sentiment. And if I don't want the episode or yeah, I don't want anyone listening to be discouraged by, oh, it sounds so easy and they're doing such a good job. Like it is it is messy. It's messier than, you know, one can describe on a quick podcast. And um, it's really hard. So cut yourself some slack. Yeah, that's that's a that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect note to end on. Yeah, it's super. Uh, it's a very complex uh, topic and it's hard in a podcast format to get into some of the the 
tougher topics around hiring and firing and and those things. So yeah, I appreciate you adding that that caveat. That's very helpful. Um, but would love to hear like what you know what's coming up this year that we should keep an eye out for with sweet nothings. Um, yeah, any exciting news that you would like to tease? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're really excited to debut the Nut Butter Bites officially at, at Expo West, which should be great. Um, we think a really welcome addition to the nutrition bar aisle with our peanut butter filled, you know, date and oat bites. Um, they're they're delicious and we think pretty innovative and, and differentiated. So we're excited to, to come to market with those in a more meaningful way in 2023. And then we have some... Um, both new retailers and large retail expansions that I'm not going to jinx any of them until we actually see the product on shelf. But um, we look forward to sharing those uh, over the next few months. Awesome. Yeah, I'll keep our eyes peeled. And then, Lucy, where can we we follow all the amazing work that your team is working on? Like, you know, where can we uh, we buy Sweet Nothings Ecom Wise or find stores? And then, you know, where should we follow on Instagram or TikTok and, and things? Yeah, follow us on Instagram at Eat Sweet Nothings. Um, and then, I mean, wherever wherever you're shopping for Sweet Nothings, you can probably find us, whether it's our smoothie cups or our kids line. We're at um, several uh, regions of Whole Foods, certain uh, regions of Target, National at Kroger, Thrive Market. If you're looking on the e-com space, if you need a really quick snack, go puff. Um, just really across the board, lots of amazing retailer partners that you can find our product. Amazing. Awesome. And I'll include links in the show notes as well so that yeah. people can get some sweet nothings in their life. And I will continue to... Um, to do my part to eat as many smoothie cups as humanly possible in a week. So <laughs> we appreciate that. We appreciate that. We need to send you some swag and some coupons. I was going to say, keep merchandising those shelves. We love that. I know. I know. Yeah. Lucy, Lucy, that sense of IRC is too. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, thank to you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I will proudly wear uh, any sweet, nothing swag to, uh, to the store and, uh, and show off everywhere. So I love it. Well, thank you both for, for joining me and talking with me today. This has been so great. I really appreciate your insights on this topic. We've done so many, you know, so much content around first hires and our community has been hungry for this content. So I just so, so appreciate you sharing some of the behind the scenes, you know, of what it's looked like at Sweet Nothings. And I hope everyone can glean some insights and just really appreciate you both. Yeah, thank you. And, thank and you so much. I, I know I said this offline too, but um, we are eternally grateful for the community that you all have built at Startup CPG. It is such a helpful resource and support group for um, making decisions and getting second opinions and um, learning. And um, I just feel like every week there's some insight or idea that is spurred from reading a thread on Startup CPG. And um, I, I try to give back in threads where I feel like I can, you know, share insights as much as I can. But you all have done such a phenomenal job. And we're very, very grateful for that. We're Yeah, well, we're so glad that you're in the community. And thank you for the kind words and can't wait to see you both at Expo West. See you soon. Thanks, awesome. Jesse. Thanks. Thank you for listening in today. I'm so honored you joined me for this conversation. And I love hearing from you all with feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi at podcast at startupcpg.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or colleague, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and maybe even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't yet in our Slack community of founders and experts, 
We'd love to see you there. You can get the free invite at startupcpg.com and find all our other awesome resources there like webinars, databases, the blog, the magazine, and virtual and in-person events. And if you found yourself rocking out to our intro and outro music, which I do every single time, make sure to check out the Super Fantastics on Spotify. It's the band of our Startup CPG founder, Daniel Scharf. I'm Jesse Freitag, your host and producer. And on behalf of the whole team at Startup CPG, thank you for being here and see you next week.